This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore with The Breakfast Wrap for the 15th of June. For today, increasing cloudiness, chance of showers this afternoon, maybe a thunderstorm and a high of 24. Similar day tomorrow, 40% chance of showers, risk of thunderstorm in the afternoon and a high of 22 tomorrow. Here are the five things you need to know. Toronto mayoral debate co-hosted by John Moore and CP24 starts at 7 p.m. Cafe T.O. in jeopardy as city council resorts to approving permits one by one. Liberal leadership candidate Bonnie Crombie open to some greenbelt reopening. Trudeau's office also knew in advance of Paul Bernardo's prison transfer. Questions raised over federal government's commitment to fighting climate change. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. I'm Jerry Agar in here for John Moore, but not for the entire morning. Okay, let me explain what's going on here. Uh, John has been pulling a lot of double duty lately because he is going to be a co-host, co-moderator of a mayoral debate that will happen tonight on CP24 and here on News Talk 1010, 7 o'clock tonight with uh, six of the candidates. I'm looking forward to it, but they're they're doing a lot of pre-work on that, a lot of prep work on that, and that has taken an awful lot of his time and the use of his voice. And so we're giving him a bit of a break this morning. He's going to join us at 7.30. So um, it'll be the two of us, I guess, from 7.30 through until 9. But I'm filling in until then. I've made it a habit to start the show every time I fill in for John by just telling a joke. And I started doing it because if you listen to my show from nine to noon, I come out of the blocks pretty hard with some political issue or something. And so the, the first time I did it, it was kind of like, Okay, we're not going to be doing that, all right? Because <laughs> I don't think you need that nine minutes after nine. So here's today's joke. So a farmer, after many years of no contact with his brother, receives an unannounced visit from his brother, who is a priest. So the farmer is showing him around the farm. And he says, look at this field. Look at this beautiful field of grain. I grew this. And the priest says, yes, but with God's help. The farmers know, okay, so they go to a meadow with his beautiful herd of cattle, and he says, look at those cows. I bred those cows. And the, farmer, or the priest says, yes, but with God's help. The farmer's feeling a bit insulted by this. So he doesn't say anything as they continue the walk around the farm. And then they come to a piece of uncultivated ground. It's full of thistles and brambles. They just stand there, and finally the priest says, well, what happened here? And the farmer says, well, I'm letting God farm that piece by himself. Oh, I see. We gave the drummer the morning off. (laughs) All right. Thanks very much. Hey, let's do this here for a moment. Uh, uh, Probably a justifiable complaint about uh, media in general. And um, I'll attach it to us specifically. We're very good at reporting of the travails of others uh, and not ourselves. And uh, as you may have heard, but we're going to get a full report here in a moment. There was uh, quite a a change at uh, Bell Media. Here's the report. Facing mounting losses in an ever-changing media landscape, Bell announced today it's cutting 1,300 positions and shutting down or selling nine radio stations. What really strikes me about it is 
the breadth uh, of the cuts. It's not just news, it's sports, it's management. The company says it's part of a plan to significantly adapt how Bell Media and its properties, including CTV, BNN Bloomberg, CP24 and local stations, deliver the news. Layoffs were carried out across the Bell organization, but Bell Media was significantly impacted with 6% of its workforce cut. CTV has some really experienced, hardworking, talented journalists who Canadians have come to rely on. And so that's a real loss for Canada and Canadians. The company also shut down CTV's bureaus in London and Los Angeles, while the Washington Bureau has been significantly scaled back. Among those laid off, Chief International Correspondent Paul Workman, London News Bureau Correspondent Danielle Hamamjan, LA Bureau Chief Tom Walters, Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier, CTV Senior Political Correspondent Glenn McGregor, and Rosa Huang, the executive producer of CTV National News. At the same time that we're cutting out the bottom of local radio across the country, we're cutting out the top of international news by closing down foreign news bureaus across the world and at a time of heightened geopolitical insecurity. Bell says its news operations are losing $40 million every year as viewer habits shift away from traditional media. Part of the problem is the advertising revenue, yes, has gone largely to Facebook and Google, and they haven't found a way to replace it. The plan includes a move to a single newsroom approach, which will make gathering and delivering the news more efficient and cost-effective. The company also blames a challenging regulatory environment that has been too slow to adjust, such as the slow process around Bill C-18, which is designed to help Canada's media sector by requiring major tech companies to pay for news content. They've just said we can't wait around anymore. We have to make some changes now. And if it comes out favorably for us in the future, then we'll be better positioned. Despite the cuts, Bell Media says it plans to hire, adding more reporters across the country. It's a shift to focus more on Canada, with just one correspondent now based outside of the country. That's Heather Wright. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore until 7.30. Then I guess the two of us will do the show together in case you just joined us. Um, that's because John is going to be a co-moderator of the debate that we're holding, a mayoral debate uh, tonight from 7 until 9 here on News Talk 1010. We're doing it along with CP24. So with the, all the extra work he's been doing there, we gave him a bit of a break this morning. By the way, I want to tell you a story. About I don't, I'm not going to make any additional commentary on that report pretty much covered what happened here in Bell, except yesterday. I, I have to tell you, during my show, I started getting text messages from people saying, I can't hear your show. I didn't know what they were talking about. Turns out one of the radio stations that carries my 9 to noon show is no more. That's what had happened. I just flipped the switch right in the middle of the show, and it was gone. But many years ago, I worked at a radio station in Regina, Saskatchewan called CJME, and they fired one of the disc jockeys. They made two mistakes. One, they didn't get his key. And, and two, they didn't tell anybody. And so later that evening, the fired disc jockey walked into the radio station because he had a key. There's nobody else around except the on-air disc jockey at night. And he waves at the disc jockey. The disc jockey waves at him. They know each other. On-air guy was unaware this person had been fired. 
And back in back way back then, the way we played commercials and music on the air was on a thing called a cart. It was a it was a tape loop basically. If anybody remembers how an eight track worked, it was kind of similar to that, except it was two tracks instead of eight. Um, and that's what all the commercials were on. And we had them on these big rotating racks. Nick, you remember those things? Yeah, uh, picture it like the racks of uh, those gift cards you see at one of the stores. Yeah, similar. Good to analogy. That. Good analogy. Okay, so that that's what uh, what we had. So so the fire disc jockey comes in, the on-air disc jockey not knowing this guy had been fired. And the fired guy comes in, plugs in an extension cord, takes this uh, magnetic thing we would use to erase a cart so we could put something new on it, and he walked into that rotating thing and just up and down the rows, he erased every single commercial the radio station had. And he left. So they were com- so were commercial free, but not on purpose. <laughs> it was commercial free. No, we weren't commercial free. Because uh, <laughs> uh, here's what happened. I mean, if you've ever been fired, maybe you think that story is kind of funny. But the rest of us all got called in on our own time to start re-redoing the commercials. And the on-air disc jockeys were reading live copy. Radio station didn't lose a penny, but the bunch of us lost a weekend. I still think it's kind of funny, though. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Thanks very much for being along. As I said, I'm just filling in for the next couple of hours, and then it's me and John, I guess, until 9, and Mark Tui will come in and fill in for me from 9 to noon, and then we have the debate tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it'll, it'll be the first chance that I will have had uh, to see and hear um, Anthony Fury participate in the debates, and I'm, I'm interested in that because it's been the same crowd, pretty much um, those people at the top in terms of the polling, which is how this has all worked out. And, uh, and he's gone from zero, basically, to third place in one of the recent polls. Now, to be clear, let's be fair, just in case you didn't know, um, I voted for him. <laughs> Okay, so and I've already voted because I have to be out of town during Election Day. So I made sure I got out there and got my vote in. So I'm not a likely voter. I'm an an actual voter. You know how they do those polls? Likely voters. Well, how do you know? How do you know they're going to vote? Like I'm undecided. I've decided that I'm undecided. Are you going to vote? Yes. Who are you going to vote for? I don't know. Well... I just love how there's a, the ballot, there's a secret ballot. No one knows who you're going to vote for, but yet you have all kinds of lawn signs. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so there, uh, there's, a, um, there's a story that there's going to be a new Beatles song, and I'm not excited. And I'm a big Beatles fan. If you came to my house, you would see on the bookshelf a number of books relating to the Beatles, not the least of which is something that Paul McCartney put out called The Lyrics. It's a double volume set where they, uh, on the one page, they run the lyrics of the Beatles song that he wrote. It's about his songs. And then a page or two of explanation as to how that song came to be. I find that stuff fascinating. I think the Beatles were incredible. But there's two parts to this song, uh, story. The Globe and Mail headline is, New final Beatles song produced with AI is sparking tech fears. Okay, there's a problem with that headline. It wasn't produced by AI. This isn't a Beatles song that uh, artificial intelligence just made up as the you know algorithm thinks, well, John would have done this and Paul would have done that and George would have complained. And, you know, it's, it's none of that kind of stuff. It's a, a recording that the Beatles made that apparently needed to be reworked and cleaned up. And that's what they did. 
So it wasn't really produced with AI. It, it was a song that was already done and it was cleaned up and maybe made uh, a little more presentable and better with AI. Can't play it for you. They haven't released it yet. Uh, they haven't even told us what the name would be. Paul McCartney said, we were able to take John's voice and get it pure through AI. And uh, he says, well, we're going to have to see where all of this leads. He realizes there could be a good side and bad side, scary side, he said, to AI. But in this case, it just it cleaned it up. Here's why I'm not excited about it. Oftentimes, when they start dragging this stuff up, people, apparently, there's an incredible amount of material that Prince recorded and never released, and people want to release that. Do you remember the last time they released some Beatles songs that hadn't been released? Can you name them? Can you hum them? Okay, one was called Free as a Bird. I just listened to it again this morning. Can't hum it for you. Here's the thing. Those people knew what they were doing. Prince knew what he was doing. The Beatles knew what they were doing. If they didn't release it, guess why? <laughs> it wasn't very good. <laughs> That's why. I mean, when they release this thing, am I going to listen to it? Of course I will. We do have some audio of, of the John Lennon demo. Do we? Is that, is that the song that they're going to be releasing? Or this is something else. It's the demo version from 1978 that John Lennon was working on, and mm -hmm. Paul's trying to clean it up, but I don't know if that's what the official cleaned up, you know, released version that's going to come out in 2023 will sound like. All right, like. well, that thing would need to get cleaned up if they were going to, re you know, but, but also, by the way, if he recorded that in 1978, it's not a Beatles song. I mean, that, well, maybe the tape. I don't know. Like, I saw 1978 in the story for yeah, it. So yeah. I'm not the biggest Beatleologist here. But uh, from what I read, that that recording was from 78. But maybe John was working on it during the Get Back sessions in 68. I, maybe. I mean, there's, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I did find it interesting when they found a tape of the initial version of Yellow Submarine, where it was slower, and it was John Lennon singing in the town where I was born. No one cared. No one cared. That is a completely different concept for a song than what ended up being, you know, in the town where I was born, when I was a man who sailed to sea, uh, sung by Ringo. Uh, anyway, uh, that new Beatles song, uh, as they're calling it, will come out eventually. Jerry Agar in for John Moore until 7.30 when he will join and will co-host the show. I don't think we've ever done that before in uh, all the years we've been here together. Um, and, uh, of course, the news headlines coming up on News Talk 1010. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. What's the most fun version of this song? Aerosmith's original or the one that uh, they did with Run DMC? Run DMC. Yeah, but it includes several of the members of uh, Aerosmith. Yeah, Joe Perry and Steven Tyler. Yeah, yeah. In which Steve, uh, in, in which Steven Tyler appears in the video to do kind of like a, a, a flip, a somersault kind of thing. I don't know if he really did it. I mean, you know, he's up in the years by then. That's, it could be camera trickery is what I'm saying. In the 80s, though? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But I think if I recall, they re-recorded the song for Run DMC. I don't think yeah, they... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did it together kind of thing. It, it was kind of fun. All right. Yeah, this is the... 
You can hear that it's a little different. Anyway. Um, Jerry Agar in here for John Moore this morning. We gave John Moore a bit of a break because he's, as I've been saying here this morning, been doing double duty um, with the the fact that he is uh, co-moderator of our debate tonight, the mayoral debate, which will start at 7 here on News Talk 1010, doing it along with CP24. Um, There's a lot more work goes into putting those debates together than just everybody shows up and talks. I mean, I don't know in terms of the candidates, what their prep is, but uh, John's been doing a lot of work. So we gave him a little break, and uh, he'll be working throughout today and tonight, but he'll come in about 7.30 and we'll do the show together. Meanwhile, speaking of a mayoral race and debate, Liaison Survey has their new findings out this morning. Olivia Chow's still at the top, but at 26%, so a bit of a slip in her numbers, and jumping up a little bit, Josh Matlow who is now in second place tied with Saunders. And then coming in right behind them, undecided. I think undecided should be included in the debate. You just just find somebody to represent the undecided. And then if they're talking about, well, we're talking about how to improve the TTC. Undecided? Uh, I don't know. Okay, let's go to Annabelle every time. I just go, I don't know, and represent the undecided. Well, Annabelle comes in uh, behind undecided, and then uh, Mitzi Hunter and Anthony Fury are tied. And then after that, someone else, someone else came in at 5%. How does that differ from undecided? I mean, if we had an incumbent, someone else would make sense, but there isn't an incumbent. So I don't know what that means. And then Bradford at four, and Anthony Perutz is at zero, and uh, ostensibly everybody else is below that. So maybe there's some negatives. I don't know. Anyway, those are the numbers that we have so far this morning. Meanwhile, in electoral news, Bonnie Crombie made it official. She's currently the mayor, of course, of Mississauga, but she desires to be the leader of the Liberal Party of Ontario. And as she made her announcement yesterday... Um, she, well, first of all, here she is making the announcement. Today, I want to announce that I will be a candidate for the leadership of the Ontario Liberal Party. All right. Now, here's a little bit of what she had to say about why Ontario needs her. Our health care is in crisis. Our education system is being shortchanged. Our environment is fragile. And life in Ontario is becoming increasingly unaffordable. Okay, and then she did what would be the leader of the Liberal Party's job one. She goes after the current premier. In short, this is a government that is more interested in helping their friends than in helping you. And I want to change that because you deserve better. All right then. A couple of comments on that. Uh, She surprised me, not with the announcement. Everybody knew it was coming. It was the worst kept secret in Ontario. But uh, that said, she said she's open to development in the Greenbelt. How does that differentiate her from Doug Ford? I mean, the people who don't like Doug Ford and essentially might vote for Bonnie Crombie and the Liberals and lead them back out of the wilderness are furious at Doug Ford well, for many things, but one of the things they constantly bring up is he lied about the Greenbelt. Well, at least Bonnie Crombie won't have lied about it. She's, she's telling you right now, before she even gets the job as leader, that she's open to development in the Greenbelt. 
So take that as you will. Maybe it will be one of those things where it's okay if the liberals do it, but not okay if the conservatives do it. Because Kathleen Wynne did it. Although maybe it wasn't okay now that I see what happened with Kathleen Wynne and, and the liberals. So maybe that did her in. I hadn't thought of that before even when I'd mentioned that before. Um, and, oh, one other quick thing. This is irksome uh, that uh, Bonnie Crombie did. But politicians of all stripes do this. This isn't a liberal, conservative, Green Party, NDP thing. It's politicians of all kinds do this. And I just find it slightly irksome no matter what political party they belong to. She said, well, I've been talking to people across the province and they've been asking me to run. They always position it like it's some kind of personal sacrifice they're making because the people want it. No, you want to be the leader. You want the, the glory and the, the power and the money or whatever it is, whatever your reason is for wanting it. Uh, it. It's not because the people desperately need you. That's not why people run for political office. Anyway, uh, that's that on that. Sad story yesterday as a man died after he became distressed while swimming in Lake Ontario along the Mississauga waterfront. Peel Regional Police said that they, this is from the CP24 report, they received multiple reports of a distressed swimmer near the lakefront promenade um, in the city's Lakeview neighborhood yesterday afternoon. What had happened is this man in his 60s swam across the bay and then began to swim back and he was out there swimming alone. They aren't sure what happened to him. They were saying it could have been medical distress. Swimming across a length of water by yourself is not a good idea. I'm not trying to blame the victim here. It just comes to, because it's a tragedy, but it comes to mind for me because when I read the story, I remember something that happened many, many years ago. I was probably 13 or 14 and, you know, a teenager, so I thought it was 10 feet tall and bulletproof, and I announced that I was going to swim across the lake and back. Not a very large lake, but it was the lake where we used to vacation all the time near our home in Gilbert Plains, Manitoba. It was called Blue Lake. I'm sure it still is. Um, and I decided I was going to swim across and back. And my dad said, well, I'll come alongside you in the boat. And I, as I recall, I said, I don't need you to do that. I can swim across that lake and back. He said, I'm coming next to you in the boat. As it turns out, I made it across the lake and back. And looking back on it, he did the right thing. I don't think he would have, I think he would have done everything to stop me from making that swim without him coming along in the boat. And he may, you know, he's a dad. He might have been proud of me for being able to do it, but he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to chance it. And I look back on it and I'm, I'm thankful he had that kind of attitude. And it's a, there's a life lesson there, no matter what age you are. You don't do you don't do swims like that by yourself. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good to have you along. Jerry Agar in for John Moore this morning. John's going to come in and join us at 730. He's not sick or anything. We just gave him some extra time here because he's been doing a lot of double duty. And we'll do that tonight as he co-hosts our mayoral debate. That's tonight at 7 o'clock, a combo between News Talk 1010 and CP24. So John will be in here at 730. 
Meanwhile, one of the stories in the news today is Russia is suggesting that they may cut all ties with Canada, uh, not good relationships with uh, Russia right now. Uh, certainly, Canada has been supporting Ukraine in the war, but apparently they got double ticked uh, when Canada seized that Russian jet that's been sitting at Pearson for 16 months. Now, I talked to Christian Luprecht from the War College of Canada about this on my show when the jet was seized. And I had said to him, look, criticism that's coming in right away, people criticizing Justin Trudeau and the government for seizing that jet is, that's going to just tick off Putin. And here's what Christian Leprecht said. Seizing the, the asset of a plane is much less controversial than, for instance, starting to seize real estate, companies, shares, other types of assets. And so I think the government here is using this as a bit of a laboratory for experimentation to see how this goes, what legal challenges it's going to run into, whether the law is actually going to stand up in court, because you can bet that uh, the owners are going to challenge uh, the forfeiture of the plane. And so it's more important than ever to send a message both to oligarchs and kleptocrats in Russia, as well as around the world, uh, that throwing their lot in with uh, uh, aggressive authoritarian regimes uh, could pose a serious challenge to their own fortune and that simply this is not the way to go in terms of behavior. In terms of whether it would tick off Putin, Christian Luprecht's attitude, maybe you'll look at it differently, but he said, well, too bad for Putin then, uh, basically. And I guess that's how Canada has looked at it. Thomas Mulcair, who's a political commentator for us now, and of course, formerly the leader of the NDP federally, had this to say. Uh, tough luck for Putin. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, they're prosecuting a completely illegal war, committing more crimes uh, against Ukraine and in Ukraine, and good on Canada for finally standing up and saying, well, the United Nations has said we're able to seize all the property that we can belonging to Putin's Russia, and let's go after that plane. It's it's a, it's mostly symbolic, but I think at the same time, Canada is showing which side we're on, and good for us. All right. So that's where we are with that story. Yesterday, um, all of a sudden, one of the mayors, Markham Mayor, Frank Scarpetti, one of the mayors in York Region, came out with an official statement. He put out a letter and said that York Region should amalgamate, that there are too many disparate communities with too many people. There's something like 77 different people representing York Region for 1.2 million people, whereas we have 26 councillors for almost 3 million people in Toronto. That was, uh, that was part of his reasoning. And I spoke to Mayor Scarpetti on my show yesterday. So in case you didn't hear that and haven't heard much about this story yet, here's some of the reasoning that uh, the mayor brought to it. They're taking steps uh, to change the governance structure and uh, how you make these changes in the city of Toronto, then make uh, significant changes in Peel and potentially leave York region the way it is. Uh, I, I can't think of a rationale for doing that. We're, we're part of the GTA uh, government, uh, local government particularly, has become more complex. We're being asked to do more things. And uh, the fact is, some, uh, you know, boundaries and entities that were set up over 50 years ago uh, don't, don't make sense anymore in, in today's context. Okay, so further to that, I said to Frank Scarpini, all right, but people were writing into me. Immediately when we said that this was happening, people started writing to me saying the communities around York are too different to just have a one-size-fits-all government, and here's how the mayor responded. If you were to take that, that rationale that it won't work because we're different communities, 
I just say, just look at what's happened with York Region over the past 50 years. We have provided services, and yes, some services are different in the urban areas of the region versus other areas of of the region. But I'll also say uh, we collectively, as all property taxpayers in York Region, have actually supported services in some of those rural areas that wouldn't have been able, they wouldn't have been able to afford it in the first place. So I think if you take that rationale, no, you can't do it because we're different communities. I actually point in part to what York Region is doing is in fact providing services and programs and transit, a number of other things, police, uh, public health, understanding that the, the nature of some of the communities are quite different from one another, yet we've been doing it. All right, so that is Markham Mayor Frank Scarpitti. Now, I asked him yesterday if he had talked to the Premier about this, because it's not the kind of decision that can be made other than at Queen's Park. We could debate, and we're not going to, whether that much power should be in Queen's Park. Okay, I don't think it should, but that's the way it is. And he gave a long-winded answer, and then I said, yeah, but what I asked you was, have you talked to the premier about this? And and it appears he really hasn't, which I, why wouldn't you do that? There's there, Right now, there's an individual who could decide whether you'd go forward with this sort of thing, and he hasn't talked to him. All right, that I just found this amusing. And it is that, um, okay, the NHL playoffs are finished. The Vegas Golden Knights have won. Um, I'm... I don't watch hockey as much as I watch other sports. But, Nick, right from the get-go, hasn't Vegas been a pretty good franchise? Like, even from their first year, I think they've been uh, pretty strong. Yeah, I think it's six seasons that were they're in the league, and they did pretty well in the past six seasons. Yeah, they have. And, okay, so did you see the statement from Phil Kessel? Phil Kessel thinks that he take a lot of heat here when he was here with uh, Toronto. And he put out, he, he gave a statement yesterday, or he was talking to a reporter. And here's what he said. Takes me back to to my Toronto days. You guys said I couldn't win, and now I'm a three-time champ. Remember that. Okay, I saw hockey people who know more about it than I did. We said, we never say you couldn't win. We said the team couldn't win, and we couldn't win with you as a leader. And in Vegas, you're just a guy on the team. You didn't win that championship. You're just a guy. And a lot of Canadians on that team, by the way. Okay. And, And they may be right about that, but I get where Phil Kessel is coming from. Yeah, you people in Toronto harassed me and said I couldn't win. I'm a three-time champ. Remember that. That's The Breakfast Wrap. I'm Jerry Yegar for John Moore. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.